when we believe we are someone. It always covers the experience with separation. It, it makes the whole world seem separate. So when we believe we are somebody in this body, it makes the whole world seem like that. And it really, it really, it's not just a thought or a belief, it really seems like we're walking around in a separate world. And, and we have our feelings about life, and our feelings are what make us happy. So if we're happy, we're happy. If we're upset, we're unhappy. If we're joyous, we're happy. If we're depressed, we're unhappy. So that's how we view happiness, is how we feel. And we believe that our feelings are a response to the external. Which in a way you could say that in some way the feelings, that's how it should work. The feelings should always be a response to the external. So if you're seeing a kid run over, then there's a response of sadness and sense of responsibility to go and help. And if you're seeing a party and people dancing, then a response of joy might come up. But it's a mistake to believe that any of that is happiness, like true happiness. That isn't really what you're looking for. These are sensations that come and go in life and they're impermanent and you'll never be able to make the coin stay one side up. So you'll never be able to make yourself always happy, always joyful, always excited, always in bliss. This is an impossibility. Maybe you want to become enlightened because you have an idea that you'll always be in, in bliss. But this is something that's destined to come and go. And this is something that's meant to come and go. Just like the leaves are meant to fall off the tree in autumn time. And the flowers are meant to flower in spring. Although there are exceptions. They sometimes flower and fall at other times of year. Like change is the way that this world works. This change is the way that this world is experienced. And actually, if you look at change and movement, what happens is one thing is always turning into another. So a bud turns into a flower. The soil turns into food for that flower. The sunlight becomes energy. So there's always this transformation happening. Nothing's ever still but it all works in itself, like one thing changes to another, to another, to another, to another, to another. So you can't see something change without it changing from something else into something else. And it's the same with feelings. We have joy, and then it might turn to neutral, then excitement, then sadness. The nature of life is to change. If it didn't change, nothing would be happening. There would be no experience. It has to change. But because as humans we believe that our happiness and our freedom is based on things and on feelings, we're always in a state of trying to hold on to things. And we're always in a state of trying to pin things down. So if we get money, we're suddenly trying to keep it. 
There's not the joy of getting it, although there might be, but then the next moment we're worried that we're going to leave it, so we're trying to hold on to it and not spend it. Whatever it might be, the same with lover. So the nature of life is movement, to change constantly. And freedom has nothing to do with change. Freedom has nothing to do with something that appears. Although this realisation is going to affect the body and change the body-mind mechanism, it's not any permanent state. It's not a way of being. So basically, your essence, who you believe you are, is total love. It's absolute love. And it doesn't belong anywhere. It doesn't belong to someone. You don't love someone. You are love. You don't get love from somewhere. You don't love yourself. Your nature is love. The initial sense of being is total love. That sense of being, of amnes, is absolute love. So this world is made of love. It only appears that it isn't because the person is so fixated on itself and separation. But behind that person or beyond that person is this amnes that's so in love with everything. It's just love everywhere. This amnes, this sense of being, doesn't belong inside the body. It doesn't belong to anyone. I used to think it belonged to me. And I never thought that this would be waking up. I thought that waking up was an intellectual thing. But one day, this had happened many times before, but it had never been recognised, that sense of being stopped being held inside the body and it was everywhere. Even though everything was kind of being looked through this body, that sense of being was everywhere and the body was appearing inside being. And it's total love. That amnes, that beingness, knows itself. It's instantaneously knowing itself. It knows everything that happens. It's not separate from that which happens. And it's got two sides to it being. On one side, it's total and utter love in its manifestation and its expression. And on the back side, it's totally empty and belongs to nothing, has no quality to it. It's empty of anything. This is so beautiful. This is freedom. Freedom really isn't about changing the body-mind mechanism, but what normally happens in waking up is there is a profound change in the body-mind mechanism and um, a deep understanding of what it is to be human. So normally in waking up, there, there is a lot of realizations happening in the body-mind mechanism about what it is to be human and what it is to have this. And normally, um, a lot of ways of being are changed. But that's not the goal. And you're never going to get to the goal of having a perfect human being that doesn't react or always acts out of love, doesn't get jealous or anything like that. It's going to have all these feelings, but it will shift. There will be a change in that because... There will no longer be somebody that believes completion is in an object, but it will still want pleasure and want to avoid pain. And so when I do these talks, there's two things that I will do with you. Depending on the question and the person, 
So what I say doesn't apply to everyone. It's dependent on the person that's asking me. Um, I will either talk about non-duality, which is love, and that's happening for no one, or I will work on people's dynamics of being separate. So their dynamics of being a separate person in time. So I will sometimes look and explore what those feelings are that arise that make you separate and those thought patterns. And neither are about getting to liberation. Getting to liberation is simply a thought pattern that arises for somebody that believes it exists. But ultimately there is nobody that exists. So this thought pattern about getting somewhere has got to disappear as well. But it doesn't mean that there doesn't carry on to be an exploration of what it is to be alive, but it's just this idea of a destination needs to begin to disappear because who is it that's going to get somewhere? But we can explore the human separate dynamics and we can also explore non-duality. And I love both sides of it, exploring what it is to be human, which is such a funky chicken dance. The human bodies are really funky. <laughs> Even Lisa, Lisa's not extracted, like standing outside that. Lisa, this body is still human and still likes her nice piece of juicy cake. And she likes to have certain things with her name on it. Lisa, this belongs to Lisa. And she likes things her way and she doesn't always want to share. But, so, all humans are funky and I'm sure most probably some people are telling themselves a story, no, I'm way beyond that. But that's a story. Um, you'll begin to see that no human is beyond the movement towards pleasure. If you were, you'd be dead. Um, so there's that side of it, and that's the funky chicken dance, and I love it, and I love exploring that, and there can always be the improvement and the development of the human being, even though that's not a goal. But there can always be a growing into to this. And in a way, it's an endless process, the evolution of the human and the human um, evolving to this realization and this freedom I mean that will never end but on the other side there is what I'm talking about which is not about any destination and which is totally free right here and never needed anything and it's so beautiful and that's way beyond our intellect it's way beyond reason and sense and yet it creates all of that. What changed with the realization that no I ever existed has been existing? Oh, what changed in your behavior, your thinking, your feelings? Um, well, uh, a lot of the traumas that I'd been acted out, um, I'd acted out of lessened a lot and got a lot less. Um, I knew what it was to love. I'd never really known what it was to love before. I thought I did, but I really didn't. Um, but I still, I still have those traumas, so I have, still have a tendency to avoid things which have scared me in the past or go to things which have given me joy in the past. But um, a lot of it changed and softened and eased. Um, my biggest thing was love. It was about love was just this underlying sense of love all the time. Um, less neurotic, less worrying about things. Um, 
and then also at the same time becoming more yourself. And it helped seeing, it helped with me, even though that's a bit funny, seeing Lisa and understanding Lisa better and her dynamics better. But she's not, she's not a perfect being in a way. In another way, you could say she is perfect, but you like to have this image of in, enlightened people always getting along, never arguing or, um, always saying yes in some way. But, um, but that's not the case. But a lot changed. Everything became a lot easier. And just this overwhelming sense of love and ease and feeling content. But I would say the love's the biggest thing. I'd really never been in love before. Hey, Andrea! I was just speaking about the retreat. You missed it. Nice to see you. Hi, Lisa. I've been listening to Nandu talks for a long time, but it's all talks and intellectual understanding. What pers- precipitates? Precipitates. I don't, I, I'm not sure if I can read that word properly. Just one sec. Just look up. Please, people don't know I have them. Precipitation is the creation of a solid form. Is the creation of a solid form a solution when the reaction occurs and a liquid oh it's like chemistry um yeah so if you've not watched these videos before i'm sure most people have so they know um i have dyslexia but i'm a proud dyslexic so i don't see it as a bad thing even though people our society often sees it as a bad thing and showing what our society calls weaknesses as a bad thing i think it's really beautiful because on the other side I might not be logically able to remember words or remember spelling or remember um, logic, but I have a super creative mind, which is really beautiful. What precipitates an actual shift to non-duality? Different speakers seem to have different unpredictable, unpredictable circumstances that precipitated the shift. Jeez, what country are you from? Texas, Austin. Pre- precipitate, precipitate to sudden cause. Well, I always think that as much as amount of sex possible and making love um, uh, precipitates awakening. As much love making as possible. The best thing. Indian. You know, sometimes Indian people are much better at English than English people are American. Um, basically, oh gosh, now I've got to, can I just call you Abha? Oh, I'll call you Das, if that's okay, your last name. I'm sorry. Um, Basically, if any if anybody knew that, if scientists could discover it, and if spiritual teachers knew it, then they would be the richest, most successful person in the whole universe. I mean, that's like the jackpot. It's like the absolute jackpot to be able to tell people that. Um, and some people claim they have found the way to 
liberation. There's lots of teachers out there. You know, and if your heart responds to that, then I recommend going for it. Um, ultimately, there's nobody there to give advice to. But if I did have advice, then I would say follow the love. Not the need to obtain love or keep love or control love. But follow that love. That's the flow. But the one that thinks that it can follow love or can't never existed. But it appears like that. So it appears that you can have a choice and that you can move one way or the other. Ultimately, you can't. It's an illusion that somebody can. But where you feel that that's the way it is, then follow the love. And just become, become the love teacher. You make love, whatever it, whatever it is. Make love or reading or music. One of mine is music. I love music. I just love it. What else do I love? I love creating. I love ideas. Initially, my career was in playwriting. And I used to just love that creativity. To think of like a whole play and all the different dynamics. I love that. Philosophizing over stuff. I love. I love loving. I love it. It's so beautiful. Mm. I love dogs. I love their wildness and their strength. Um, yeah. Wolves. Um, so, you know, just follow that. When I was 18, 19, I fell in love with non-duality. And people told me I was crazy and I shouldn't do it. And they told me all sorts of bad things about it. And this was before the internet where you could find other people that were into it and think I'm not mad. Um, and I followed it. I gave up everything. I gave up playwriting. I gave up everything to follow non-duality. My money, my home. I'd done well as playwriting. And, um, and I never, ever, ever thought that I would be a non-dual speaker. In fact, it was so opposite to what my character was like. It didn't like to do that sort of things and never thought this would be my job. But I followed that love for it. And and now I speak about it publicly to people. And I just think it's the most beautiful subject there is that can ever be spoken about. Um It's all about falling in love again. It really is. It's just not out there. It's not out in another thing. It's your nature. That's what the waking up is about. It's seeing that your nature is love. That's all this whole entire universe is made for. I love Khaleesi. I love her. Hi Lisa, do you have any questions left in your life? Like, what were you before this life and after it? Um, not about that sort of stuff. Um, but, you know, I do have questions like, um, 
just regular day-to-day questions. I can't think of any, but like if I spend all my money today, will I have enough money left for tomorrow or, um, cause you see thoughts and question making and ideas, they're never meant to, to think about existential stuff. They're done. To, thinking is about practicality. It's not about um, the meaning of life. Um, it's about practical things of how to build a table and how to put up a house. But it becomes existential because we believe we are something separate from the whole entire life. And so therefore, what happens in non-duality is a questioning of that thought process and um those ideas but that's but non-duality isn't that non-duality is your essence that's prior to thinking thinking can't get you home but the one that believes it's separate seems to veil home it claims this love this beingness and makes it feel trapped inside the body and bizarrely enough there's so much of a focus on seeking and what you haven't got that it makes it feel incomplete so that's questioned, but but thinking actually can't get you anywhere. It can't, you can't ever know anything in thought. We're so conditioned to believe that we know reality by thinking. But actually reality is this instant, this explosion of energy that's way beyond thinking and thinking is an effect of that explosion of energy. So thinking can't look backwards and understand its source. It's a product of that source. A bit like champagne. So if you shake champagne and you take the lid off and those bubbles explode out and up and they're all, that's all made of water and air. Hmm. Where was I going with that? (laughs) That, that explodes out and the bubbles disappear. And it's like the top top bit of that explosion being able to look back and understand where it came from. No, that doesn't work as a metaphor. I apologize. Sometimes, you know, they don't work. That's just what happens. So let me think of another one. I suppose the best one always is the projector. So it's like um, the projector projecting light onto a screen and it makes a film. And inside that, that film, the characters can't look back into the light to see the projector. The characters, in fact, don't exist. They're a product of that projector. So you with thoughts is the film. Your thoughts are the film. So your thoughts can't possibly understand where they've come from. But sure, there can be the feelings of last lives and images of last lives coming up. But that doesn't mean anything. That doesn't mean, that's not really talking about the nature of reality. That's still talking about the film. There's nothing wrong with talking about the film. I have last life memories and and I, I understand Lisa and her conditioning better and better daily. 
you know, I remember things from last lights and I'm like, oh, that's why she's always a fuckwit in this situation. Or I remember things from last wife and I'm like, oh, that's why she's so giving and generous. So there's always this going on and understanding these sorts of dynamics and remembering things from this life as well. But Lisa is a play happening in this. She isn't an experiencer. What we're pointing back to in non-duality is the experiencer. But we can look in the dream to understand the dynamics of Lisa and understand the dynamics of people. But that's always in the dream. And that can really profoundly change the person. I'm not against changing the person. But ultimately, the freedom is that experiencer which isn't located and seeing that the person and all its thoughts are an experience appearing in the dream not actually somebody that's experiencing something separately. I have no idea if any of that made sense. Because <laughs> I just speak, it just comes out. I don't have this control. <laughs> but let's just hope it did. And most probably people didn't understand, so they're like, wow, that must have been so profound, it's beyond me. And it was. Can you describe um, what changed in your perception as I was seen as illusion. How do you perceive the world now in comparison to before? Well, it just doesn't feel like there's a location of an experiencer. It doesn't feel like there's a location experiencing anymore. Everything's being experienced. But it still looks through this mechanism. So it still looks through the body-mind mechanism. So you could say that everything that's that's seen and appears is um, the 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 projection of the Lisa body-mind mechanism. Like, so the whole world is um, a projection of this brain, but it's not this body that's experiencing. This body is part of the experience. So that's what changed. So this energetic shift happened where it doesn't feel like there's a location and the seeking stops. There's no longer a seeking to complete yourself in things. There's still the movement towards pleasure and the avoidance of pain, which can be quite strong sometimes, especially if there's a fire raging behind you or an alligator chasing your ass. You can, you know, be really moving quickly and there could be a desperate need to get out of that situation. But it's not seeking for completion there. It's not believing anymore that completion is no longer being chased by an alligator. Or um, eating the piece of cake or having a particular lover. I got two questions, actually. Um, yeah. The first one is, uh, yeah, I've been watching your stream for like two months. Uh, well, of course, you've been away for a month, but I've been watching like twice a week for a month. And then I, I realized that oftentimes people call with like a, a question that's really mindy. And you just tell them to, to focus on their feelings. <laughs> yeah. And and I actually started trying, started doing that because I've been, um, I've been using, uh, or I've been taught a kind of therapy, rational emotive behavior therapy. I'm not sure if you've heard about it. No. Okay. It, it enabled me to get rid of, uh, like, uh, procrastination behavior where I felt like guilty for not doing something and the guilt was getting too big. And well, the therapy just, um, makes you write about it and do like certain steps and then the, the guilt disappears. Yeah. And I also tried the, the you know, focus on the on your feelings thing. 
uh, that you described to, to some people. Yeah. And I realized it does the same thing, and it does it actually better. So I started using it a lot. Oh, nice. And I was wondering, like, I started on this path of, you know, looking for enlightenment, like, two years ago. But I think it's mainly because I was unhappy. Yeah. And my question is actually, like, I, I use I use the technique a lot, and I, I see a lot of benefit from it. Yeah. It does a lot of good to me. Um, like, does it make sense to just do it a lot until I don't need it anymore? Yeah, I mean, the the thing is with um, feeling your feelings, sorry, I'm just realizing that our sound balance is uneven, so I just have to change it. Um, yeah, so I would just change it and... Um, hello, 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 hello. Okay, sorry, I just have to do a few things. I, my whole computer got wiped while I was away, so I have to remember all the different settings. Um, it's just one sec. I have to remember how to do this. Preferences. Hello, 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 hello. Hang on a sec. Sorry, just let me check. Hello, hello, hello. So I can turn that up a bit more. So when, hello, that's better. So when I, yeah, if I don't have that set, when I start talking to someone on Skype, it starts blowing out their eardrums. So there, I just have to fix it. Lucky I caught it. Otherwise everyone would be having pain at home. But yeah, um, with the emotional release stuff, like um, uh, it's not appropriate for everybody. But what I find is that um, um, that when you've grown up in a society that's very separate and encourages separation, like Western societies, there's so much emphasis put on you and you doing and you producing um, that people become really unbalanced. And they don't deal with their feelings at all. So they have traumas or they have difficult situations and they're not taught how to deal with it. They're taught to think their way out of it and to avoid the feeling. And therefore what happens is that the feelings get really stuck in the body and they cause physical illness. They cause depression and exhaustion because the, the feeling is not allowed to be let out of the body. So with Khaleesi, when she's stressed, um, when something stresses her or she gets a fright, she will stretch, she will yawn, or she will shake, you know, she will shake it out of her body. She'll do... Sorry? No. So, so she has like, um, a, a, a dog, uh, tries to attack her or something. Um, and, um, and you'll see her heckles go up and she's all afraid. And then after the dog's moved on, she'll often stretch and then she instantly, it's gone. Like she has like a coping mechanism or if I tell her off, I often notice um, that she yawns afterwards. Like she'll just have a massive yawn and stretch. And um, and also the way that Khaleesi is, is that she's never denying any expression of feeling. So if she feels fear, she shows fear. Whereas we're taught that we're not allowed to show it. So we'll feel fear and we just keep it inside our body. And then we tell ourselves not to be afraid. And we don't actually let that feeling come out. So I also read this book recently because after someone listened to my talks, they sent a book called um, Waking the Tiger. And actually it was really similar as well. And it was about how as humans, we don't let the trauma out of our body. And then also what we're doing is we're living in a society that's very separate. So we're living in a society that's only teaching us to work with the mind and thinking. And it's all about thinking. 
And so going back to the feeling and what you actually feel, firstly, there is this release that can happen of old feelings and old traumas. And then also you begin to learn about yourself as a body-mind mechanism. This instrument begin, begins to learn about itself. And so learning and understanding what it wants and what it needs is so important. We've been told what we want and need. And the feelings are the way to access that. So you can feel what the body needs. Like thinking about it is normally what you've been taught and what you think you should be. And it's normally always in conflict. But your body can feel it. So if you are in a shop or um, you're thinking about buying something, there's a natural feeling that comes with it. And then there's the mind interpretation. And we're so petrified of it. We think that life will be out of control if our mind didn't save us all the time. But actually, things might flow a lot better if, if there was a lot more based in the bodily feelings. So you're wanting to go out for dinner with someone, and then you tell yourself all these stories about how great it is. But actually, if you feel your body, your body's tired and actually would like to go to sleep and would like to rest. But because the mind's got all these ideas, that's what's listened to. So the mind, the mind is always the one. That's where all the focus and the energy is, is because that's the way our society has taught us. So this emotional release, it can help us release past traumas. And then also we can learn about this instrument. And I'm still learning about the instrument of Lisa. She's really complicated and got so many different dynamics to her and different ways of being in different situations. So there's two reasons why, I think, because of past traumas that are trapped in the body. And then also because it teaches you to be genuine and to be honest about what you want and what you need. And... I can't remember what the word means. I've heard it many times before. Sounds For me, it's the, the, you know, the emotions that are stuck in my body. Yeah. Conditioned, conditioned, and they cause, they also cause, well, to say ignorance, I think it's called, I would say, blind spot. Yeah. They just, you know, they block me from learning. Yeah. The way, you know, the world and my body and everything works. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I feel like I get the release, but also I get more... Um, like everything I do is more suitable. Yeah. Connect more with everything. Yeah, that's totally that's totally it. And I I call it like a process of becoming honest. So waking up has two sides to it: is that it has the seeing that you are never that person. You're never this body mind mechanism moving in time. But the effect on the body mind mechanism is it becomes really honest and it really becomes grounded and sinks into um, its truth as a as a body mind mechanism. Yeah, okay. And if, if I were to continue doing this, does that mean I will verbalize that? Yeah, I will learn what I am, really? But you say we're not just moving in time. Yeah. You can't ever learn what you are. You can't ever. So that person that's fixing its traumas and yeah. understanding itself. That's really beautiful that that's happening. But that person is a functioning, flowing in life. And it's something that's being experienced. And that that's being experienced can never know its true nature. So it's not that person that wakes up. But the side effect of waking up is that that person does learn about itself and does become a lot more genuine. But there's no end goal to that. That's something that will always change and develop and, and move. So it won't... It won't get you anywhere, but that's often the side effect of waking up, is that there is a deep understanding of what it is to be human. But ultimately, that person can never wake up. 
And, and the idea of a process to get somewhere is something that also will begin to dissolve over time, that you see that your nature was ever present and isn't something that can be got to, but eventually it exposes itself. And I think it's so beautiful that you're, you're choosing to explore what it is to be human. And I wouldn't say that I'm dismissing doing that and saying, don't do that, that won't lead you anywhere. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that the idea of getting somewhere is, is, is not what this subject's about, but exploring being human and your dynamics is really beautiful. That's such a beautiful and compassionate thing to do because most people just totally ignore what it is to be human and they live in a fake story of themselves. What I noticed when I was doing the, the therapy, I was talking about the RED, the Rational Emotive Behavior Therapy, I, I was doing, you know, this release of my emotions, but at the same time there was a lot of thought involved. Yeah. And I learned or I realized at some point that, or as far as possible, possible uh, uh, that like sometimes I would have like these uh, fantasy or idea of maybe I will become a prophet because I get more insight. Yeah. But then when I focused on, when I got rid of this feeling or got released, the entire I felt like that that feeling was feeding it, and when I, when it's released, it's just gone. Yeah, and the I cannot see a goal because there's only a feeling that says I want. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and the idea of becoming a prophet normally actually comes from a part of you that feels lack, and so therefore, what the focus yeah, yeah. is on being something better than what you are. And then eventually it begins to seem that everyone's prophets, everyone's Buddha nature, everyone is that amnes. There's nothing which is outside that love. Nothing. So therefore, it's like humans play this game of power and hierarchy, but ultimately the nature of everything has no power or hierarchy because everything's the Buddha nature. But in the human world, that's relevant. You know, it's relevant that um, not everybody leads the country and it's relevant that not everybody um, gets to choose how these people should live or that people should live. You know, the, in the society's organization, currently, maybe if humans change and there's a change in, in our programming, but currently we are based in a society which has power and um, hierarchy. And that's part of it. And there's got to be a seeing of that and an acceptance of it on the human level. Like that, that's, that's the way it is. But ultimately, our nature has no hierarchy. Amnes has no hierarchy. So everybody, the one that's the most powerful, the one that's got the most money, and the weakest is that total and utter love. And ultimately, nothing can be better than anything else. I feel like maybe this is a blind spot. I feel like it's, if I doing the release, that it will give me the answers instead of trying to think about what it's like. Because I feel like if I start thinking about what what is true, yeah. I will be blinded. I think that's I think that's um, a fair conclusion, but there's not really. I mean, focusing on getting there is it's just that's hopeless. But yeah. being honest to what's in the moment rather than focusing on um, understanding or getting to an understanding is far truer in a way this moment has the answer normally our thoughts and ideas are always about the next moment and what you can get yeah so every time a thought that has that structure of trying to get there i know yeah you always say it i know there's it it might make sense but you know it's there and i'm like 
Yeah. I just still work with it as well. Yeah, yeah. And that's all it is, is just being honest. And if it is there, then that's that's what's appearing. But you know that underneath there's some part of you that's needing at this moment something, some story. And that's okay. But there just is an honesty with that and seeing that and just feeling what's going on in the body, okay? So there's that feeling. And, and sometimes when you imagine that you're going to get enlightened, that produces very pleasurable feelings. So that yeah. that's what's happening. I don't actually lately I've been... For yeah, and I, I, I feel like I'm getting more in touch with life. Yeah, yeah. The answer is life, not trying to get out of life. The answer is here in life, and um, and this this is so beautiful that you've come to that realization because most people are always trying to maybe live in the high concepts of non-duality or their intellectual understanding because they believe that's better than what's actually happening. And they can't even see that that's happening. They're just living in the story of non-duality. Life is the, is the answer. What's actually happening is the answer because that's what we've always had. Intellectual ideas. To know or to, to, if someone tells you that it's about life, but if you can't feel like you're not enjoying life. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and the reason that most people feel like they're not enjoying life, enjoying life, is because there's been a fixation on seeking for getting out of life. And and so the body is uncomfortable because it's always fixated that there's something better in the next moment and there's something better to come. And so there is a detox which can be really uncomfortable because the, the body's in this momentum of this isn't right, I need something else, I need something else. So... So most people, I would say, are uncomfortable, and there's just such a strong addiction to getting, to getting, getting. I'm actually guessing that after our conversation, it will be like uh, I got the like I, I was expecting that I was getting sort of this answer, and, uh, and after this, I will be I will, I will feel like terrified, and maybe that will start another dream of <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and actually, my other question was. Um, you talk about the separation, which happens when you're really young. Yeah. Um, how does that happen? What, what happens? I don't know. It's mostly a genetic thing that happens. Um, I just love this story that my friend told me quite a few years ago about. Um, he said it about his both his children did this, um, and so it's mostly a genetic thing that that's been happening for so many um, generations in humanity. So he told me this story about his both his kids, that they would get a toy and the kid would just be enthralled by the colours and everything of the toy. And then eventually, after having the toy for a period of time, they would throw it over their head. And then there would be no response. And they would repetitively do this. And then eventually, they would throw the toy over the head and then they would turn around and look to see if the toy was there. And then they would do this repetitively. Throw the toy and then look. And then on the third go, they would throw the toy over the head and then they would cry because they could imagine that the toy existed, but that they didn't have it. And so this is such a primal thing. So he said this happened at his children about one and a half years old, that they figured this out. So with this, as soon as the memory kicks in and the intellect begins to start and the baby's figured out that the hands keep appearing, so the baby, then it begins to, to form this identity and then you see as a child grows up that, you know, I remember when I was living with Paul and his son, 
um, or, or, or from, from seeing other friends' sons and teenagers um, or young or kids that are about eight or nine, they suddenly get fixated with, um, uh, with being an identity and you see them trying on identities, trying to be someone and they're very fixated about what they look like and their behavior and they're trying to find um, uh, an image to be, to live up to. And you see them looking on TV, yeah. And this goes on, and then you get the next stage of them being obsessed then with, with, um, with lovers or partners or or being good at school. There's like all these obsessions, and you watch this identity grow and grow. And then finally, by the time they get to about thirty or forty, people begin to feel uncomfortable because the seeking energy has just become so strong. Not because of any personal thought, thought, but but just this a mentality that's built up over years that you've got to be something and get somewhere. I, I got two nieces. I think they're like three and five years old. Yeah. Uh, and I, I can see, well, um, like one of them is, is peeing a lot. He goes to the bathroom a lot. And my mom says it's uh, like uh, it's compulsive. And I'm, I feel like the thing I'm doing right now gets rid or solves problems like that either I don't know so I feel like I want to teach it to them but I think they're really way too young but you can't teach it to them because you know that functioning is happening that functioning that coming in of separation is happening you that that I mean you could speak about it with them but there has to be an interest their interest is going to be on being someone they're going to be yeah and they're, and they're going to be fixated on, you know, being like their friends and growing into being someone and fitting into society. There has to be a point where they see that that's not so beneficial. And at that point, then this message can begin to be heard. And normally that happens in people's, when people are older in their 30s or 40s. But sometimes it happens when people are younger and it seems to be getting younger and younger now. So it's not like um, the more people, I'm, I don't know, I think my question might not even be relevant. I think I, know, I, I can just keep going with what I'm doing. Yeah. Because uh, I know that it's making me happier and glad for that. Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah. And maybe that's even an illusion. And we'll see. Ultimately, everything's an illusion, but if you feel that... As a person, if you feel that this is making you more and more happier and more balanced and there's an attraction to it, I mean, that's really something. Yeah. That's really, I, I mean, I'm not in any way recommending that you stop doing that. Like, it's just that I don't like to get too much into the story about destination and getting somewhere yeah. because yeah. destination creates a lot of hell. Well, for me, it's mostly I just go through life and sometimes I know I, know I get unhappy in a situation or... Or I'm, or I'm quite unnatural, and I just use the technique, and like the feelings become better. And yeah, yeah. Okay. Right. Well, thank you so much. That was a lovely chat. The question is, uh, I heard about one interesting method. Um, it's called we call it vipassana. Do you yeah. know what is this? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and um, in Ukraine, there are some uh, sessions, two sessions per, per every year, two sessions, and uh, t- t- 10 days. 
yeah. as it is in the whole world. And um, I'm interested, is, is it uh, useful for us to um, to practice it, to go there, or it can be um, like a um, worse thing for our mind, for our thoughts and so on? Maybe it's, it's good or is it bad for us, for non-duality, for getting this, for being in present moment, like a practice? Can we practice it? Um, uh, this is a very complicated question. Mm -hmm. It's not simple. I wanted some like some meditations because um, as I feel um, in, I have many situations uh, in which I feel irritation. Yeah. Uh, I love people, I love whole world, and I I'm, I understand that there is nobody who is ex um, experiencing this irritation. I, I feel it, I understand it maybe more intellectually because mm. um, the situation comes and goes and uh, the emotion come and comes and goes but um, it's regularly. Yeah. So I think on uh, a personal level, on, on like a personal growth level, then I think it's really beautiful to do something like that. I think exploring yourself in many different situations and seeing the outcome of if you spend 10 hours a day meditating, there's something beautiful will flower from that. But it can't get you to non-duality. But it doesn't mean don't do that. Because who is the one that believes it's going to get there? But the one, that person seems to go on a process of looking here, looking there, trying this and trying that. And it understands itself and it grows and it, it understands the world and being alive more. And I think putting yourself in different circumstances and different situations is beautiful. But ultimately, who is the one that believes it's going to get somewhere? And who is that... Who who wakes up that's the biggest question at the end of the day who is it that wakes up but in terms of your irritation and you growing as a person I think that will be really beautiful and I did it and it was an amazing experience and I learned so much about myself but ultimately right now who who wakes up and then you begin to see that there is something experiencing that person that wants to change and be different and wants to not feel so much irritation Who's experiencing that person? So if you shut your eyes now, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and if you just move your attention to your belly, mm -hmm. and then move your attention to the eyes, then if I ask you a question, what do you like better, jam or marmalade? And you answer the question, which one do you like better? Jam. <laughs> so that one that likes jam better, that's not the experiencer. That is the experience. That, that's not the experiencer. That is being experienced. Mm -hmm. So that one that says it likes jams better, the one that moved its attention, that's an experience appearing in a boundless freedom. And who you truly are is that non-located experiencer and that sense of being alive, that amnes. And that's not located inside the body and that doesn't belong to you. The you appears in it. So the you wants to feel less irritation and be more balanced. And I recommend going on and doing that retreat. I think it'll be amazing. But you don't wake up. You never become free. You is a functioning that's happening, appearing in the body. And that appears in a boundless space that's never existed inside the body. The body exists in that boundless space. That person that's choosing isn't who you are. That person that chooses jam over marmalade never heard the sound of my voice, never understood anything I said, never felt the room. It was an experience. 
that person is an experience, not the experiencer. But oh, it doesn't, wow. It doesn't mean, <laughs> it doesn't mean that that person doesn't go on the retreat and learn loads of stuff about itself. And it doesn't mean that that person doesn't become more balanced and more free in the terms of being a person. But that person never wakes up. <laughs> I, th I think that now I understand. But <laughs> 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 there's... Uh, <laughs> oh, that's interesting. <laughs> oh, there now you know there, there are like no words, yeah. no words because it's so clear. It's yeah. like it was. It, it it it's always here and like it's. I don't know how you speak about this. How you can speak about it because how you can find the words for it. Yeah. So. I think I think it's just wow. that Lisa lost any attempts to get it right. So in speaking about it, I didn't. I, I lost the sense of being able to get it right because you can't. You can't ever put this in the right way. You can't ever get it. It's more a flavor. It's more a taste. It's more like singing a song than being able to get it right because it's impossible to capture that and put it into words. But yet, in some way, when you're speaking about it. This emptiness is seen. This no location is seen. But yeah, I yeah. saw for a moment your mind. Went, it was really beautiful when that happened. <laughs> uh, wow! Uh, you know, I, 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 I'm looking for information for books and so on for four years, and you know, now I think that 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 I never feel like like now. For all these four years of of looking, it's, it's so it's like a joke. <laughs> uh, wow! Thank you so much. Oh, my pleasure. That was lovely to speak with you. Thank, thank you, you Thank you. With the sound. Uh, oh, love, you. love you so much. Oh, please, please, <laughs> please do these sessions because I I know that people are really need all your what you are doing, oh. and I feel so much love to you. Just oh, oh. oh <laughs> thank, thank you. you so much. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> okay, bye. Thank you so much. Oh, he is not hearable. She, she was, I think I, I fixed it. Do worries still appear in Lisa? Yes, Lisa still can sometimes worry about um, certain things. I had another question, if nobody else is asking. Do some people get stuck in non-dual states after the shift and other people flip back and forth? If so, why is there a difference? Yes. Um, some people, some get stuck. Some people flip back. Some people flip and flop. Um, just because that's what's happening, and um, and why it's so different for everybody is because every each body mind mechanism mechanism is unique and very individual as to what happens in that particular story. But it's all happening perfectly. I did Vipassana for two months. First, I focused on my body for a month. Then I focused on my mind. Then my mind stopped and I discovered myself on a different level. It has always been there. I just had not recognized it. My thoughts, therefore, after became less and less irrelevant. Hi, Gilia. 
Vipassana is great for getting to know the mind and its agitations. Hi, trying to take, try taking your headphones off. Hi, it's tap. Hi. There are times when my ancestral depression seems to take up the entire screen of awareness. I try to open to it, but it fills my body with these intense feelings. My instincts are to keep opening to it, but curious if you have any thoughts. Yeah, for sure. That sounds, that's, I mean, it's a, it, that's what's appearing. So um, we, we don't know why and we don't understand why these things appear, but in the Eric Borodi Mind Mechanism, this, that's what's appearing is depression, or not depression, what did you say, anxiety. And so therefore there must be a reason why it's appearing, like that is your signpost home. So everything that that hurts is always a signpost home, that there's some illusion or not truth appearing. And so I would suggest that underneath the anxiety is fear, and it's okay to be afraid. It's okay, those feelings, to let it just come up. I am afraid. I'll tell you a little secret. I sometimes get afraid too. I get afraid. I can see that there's the unknown mysterious part of me which doesn't need anything and doesn't interact with anything. But there's this suffering part of me which is always hankering for what I don't really have. I'm torn into in this separation inside myself. I'm helpless. Do I need to do anything or everything settles on its own? You're not helpless, Nitin. You don't exist, so therefore you can't be helpless. You become helpless when there's another side of you that believes that you're the doer, that you are helpful, so that you are helpful, and then you become helpless. So one exists with the other, so you'll flick between the two. I'm helpless, I'm helpful. I'm able to, I'm unable to. And then sometimes the person identifies with one more than the other. So they identify with being helpless and then they become a victim to the society that's out there. And so there's an identification with the story that I'm helpless. So just get to know that. As a separate person, when you feel separate, get to know that person. I feel helpless. And let that sensation come up and engulf you because it's not true. Well, it lies unconscious, it becomes true. I am a helpless person. That is not true. You are not helpless. You are that which creates everything. So how can you be a helpless person? Hi, Lisa. Sometimes it's hard to feel vulnerable when someone else is being cruel, unaccepting of me. Sometimes it's so easy to just go to get angry and attack and tell them to change their behavior so that I don't have to feel my sad, hurt, wounded feelings when they behave that way. Is there anything you can say about that? I should remove these, although I'm going out for dinner with friends. That's not good to be eating all these pistachios.
Um, it's um, it's okay to get angry back. Sometimes anger's needed when somebody's being cruel and unaccepted. Just um, keep, even when you're getting angry or if you're going back and you're saying things back, just be aware of that. And don't get into the mentality that anything's not acceptable, that anything that you are. Sometimes you need to fight back. Humans can be cruel. One time I remember with Khaleesi, there was this really cute dog that came up to her and I could see that Khaleesi was being aggressive. So I, I can I can stop Khaleesi from doing most things if I'm quicker than it happening. So I said to her no and I made her lay on the floor and I made her be submissive to this dog. And now stroking this cute little fluffy dog. And so she submitted to it because I told her to. And then as soon as I stood up, this dog attacked her. I full on physically attacked her. And poor Khaleesi, she'd been so submissive, she's laying on her back, so the dog went wild on her. And so basically the moral of that is that um, being submissive and allowing other people to to um, act out their aggression on you isn't enlightenment. You know, sometimes it's needed to really be harsh with someone and to tell somebody where they stand and to back off. The reason why we dislike anger is because anger often fills, fills into our hate of other people. And so don't stop the anger, but just be aware if you're hating them. And what hate means is like, it's like the sensation of really hating them and wanting to hurt them of what you say. And, um, and that's the thing that's, that's really uncomfortable with anger. It's not actually the anger itself. Sometimes anger's really needed. You know, and Khaleesi growling at that dog was most probably really appropriate because that dog was having aggression to her and I totally misread it and then I left her vulnerable to being attacked. Um, so sometimes this anger and this no, this big no, is really important. Um, but just see if it comes with this hatred. And hatred, the way that you can detect hatred is if it keeps lasting and you keep repeating stories about how much you hate that person or dislike that person or, or want to change them. But anger actually can be really loving. It's actually not so much about the way the person behaves. It's more about the energy in which it comes from. And I would say one of the things that I am still learning as a human, on the human side things that Lisa's still learning, is how to, to be, um, this is going to sound really crazy, but how to be more defensive or how to show more anger because it's important in the human world to really put up your boundaries sometimes and say, no, this isn't prohibited. I have a tendency, you know, I've been into this subject for so long and also with my childhood and my experience growing up, I can have a tendency to be too passive towards people's um, behaviours. And if you keep repetitively being passive to people's behaviours, then they'll get into the pattern of keep acting those out with you. So this is from um, Gret, Gret, Gret that, um, that was on the retreat. What changed after last treat is that I now go towards fear instead of dodging it. So whenever I feel fear in my body, I try to go deeper into it and let it pitter out like a dog following a, a scent trail. 
just an observation. Yeah. Yeah. We don't need to run away from all our sensations. And in spirituality, we often, or non-duality, we often have this idea that we should become like a Buddha, which has no feelings. You know, like we have this image of the still Buddha that doesn't have a feeling or react. But that image of the Buddha is meant to represent um, that non-movement part of life. If you actually look in imagery as to what in East represents life, it's actually Kali who's dancing on Shiva, who sits very still and very calm, to lap. And she often has you know, like people's heads in her hands and necks cut off and like violent her dance. So um, I wouldn't, like that image isn't how the human's meant to behave. The human's meant to be a human, which is all types of different motions and feelings and sensations. But that image of the Buddha is the stillness, which is the other side to life, the non-movement of life. So it's not about being not being human, it's it's seeing that the human is never the experiencer. The experiencer is totally still and unaffected by anything, and when it manifests in life, it's total and utter love. But the human is the instrument in which life is seen through, and the human always has to be human. And it's, it's, it's important to have all these reactions to things, to sadness when a child is hit in the road or something, not that we ever see that, but um, sadness if we see a bird fly into the window, I've seen that quite a few times, and break its neck, or um, or Khaleesi catches a chicken, and anger if somebody's acting inappropriately. Like, um, these, these emotions are not bad. The, the thing that's suffering is the energy in which it comes from. When it comes from that tight, contracted energy, you feel like you have to dominate something or you have to be in control or you have to make someone feel a certain way. And it's all about you and happiness for you. But when it just comes out of this freedom, then it just comes up like um, like a volcano erupting and then it just settles back down. When it belongs to you, we just go into this imagined timeline that lasts for such a long time. Bert says, Hi Lisa, did the ego quit? you step by step or did it quit almost at once once you realized yourself did the ego did the ego was still there was the ego still there and did it still disturb you your question's coming from a very separate perspective um and it's not really like any of those categories the options that you've given me it's really hard to talk about there's this sh- this shift that happens to this stillness, um, and then there's nobody experiencing this anymore. But sometimes Lisa's personality can still get into stories as if she's still separate. You know, it's been so many years of separation—not just this body's lifetime, but all the thousands of um, lifetimes before that. And so your categories don't really fit with my categories. So it's hard for me to answer exactly what you've asked. But uh, I find that it evens, it's been evening out more over time. But I do find there's a development and a change that's still happening in Lisa. But from the other side, Bert Rand. I'm sorry that I can't say your name. It's just typical English. Um, but the question to you is, why is it that you're interested in that? 
What is it that you feel you'll get out of that question? So where is that question coming from you? Because normally our questions and our wanting to know things come from a sense of lacking something, that something's incomplete now. So what is it in you now that feels incomplete? Hi Lisa, please tell the retreat dates for Spain next year. I think it's the 4th of March to the 11th. Um, that was so amazing, Spain. I really loved it. I know it was really intense sometimes to some people, but I just thought it was so beautiful seeing everyone change. Uh, so I think it's the 4th or the 11th, but, um, 4th to the 11th, but I'm just waiting to hear back to Rupert and then I will post it. And when I post it, I'm going to send out an email to people like a blog email. So it should be in the next couple of days. But isn't replying. Oh, you are. How do you know that reincarnation is real? Yes, beautiful and intense. Thank you so much. A lot is going on. I can imagine. <laughs> 14 days, thank you. It was such a pleasure. It was hard work for Lisa as well at times, but such a pleasure typing. Okay. Um, I don't think that reincarnation is real. I think that I go with the story of what the Buddhists say, and they call it rebirth. So I don't think there's somebody that's reincarnated, but I think there's a rebirth of energy that happens because nothing can ever fall out of this world. Everything's always transformed into something else. But there's not actually a solid person that's reincarnated. Sometimes I recognize myself as presence, seeing all the story of Bert too, and its and its reaction. But with time, I stuck myself again in a personal identification. Um, GB, Julia says, are love and emptiness ever experienced together in you? They're always together. Love and emptiness is kind of the same thing. Like the force of the mind becomes too strong. Yeah, yeah. And it just goes back to its patterns of being. But the reason it goes back to the patterns of being is not because the mind's too strong, but it's just because some of the old dynamics haven't been exposed and they've still got to get exposed. Hi, Lisa. I have a question for you. I'm watching you on YouTube in this moment on air. I presumed you would be. Yes. <laughs> the question is, how can I find my way? I feel like to have a responsibility for something, but I do not know what it is. I've read plenty of books, but no answers at all. How can I find the right way? Valentina. What a beautiful name. Valentina. The right way is your essence. Oh. The right way is your essence. So you've been looking outwards for your essence. You've been looking in the flow and in the movement for the right answer and the right way. But it's actually not outside. To say it's inside isn't really true either because ultimately there is no inside or outside world. But see that no movement is true. And then what's left? If no movement is true, what's left? Okay, thank you. That's from Bert. I was answering lots of people's questions then. Valentine, Bert, Andrea, Julio. It just really throws me every time I see your name, Julio. I want to go Gulio. Oops. Gulio. I don't want to say Gulio. I want to say... Yeah, Gulio, I want to say. Julio. And then your GB. Your picture says GB. It's all confusing with Julio. 
But the funny thing is, actually, even in the retreat, Julio, I kept wanting to call you because I knew, for some reason, that it's G. J. G. It's my, it's, this is my dyslexic brain. How did it feel as the I illusion vanished or as it had been realized? The question is, Sebastian, for you, that the I illusion has been vanishing. Sebastian, is why are you interested so much in Lisa's personal stuff? This is the question. Why? You know, the person, when you're asking questions, it's not innocent. So I can let a few questions slip by and then not get to this. But why are you asking all these questions about my personal experience? I just want to know isn't deep enough. Often why we want to know all these personal things is a comparison. So this might not be the reason, but you compare yourself to Lisa's experience or you're trying to imitate Lisa's experience. And the, but the, all of this happens from the sensation of lack. So rather than looking in the external for these answers, just go back to what your feeling is right in this moment and explore what's actually happening in Sebastian because that's where the answer is, is in the experience, is in what's happening, not in what somebody else's version of what's happening is. Thank you. That's okay, Valentina. My pleasure. Nitish. Nitish. Sing. Nitish Singh. I hope I'm saying your name correctly. We can never understand you, can we? Hi, Lisa. Do you have any questions? Or do you have an affection for Lisa character? Who would be the one that has the affection for the Lisa character? Do you have any affection for the... Oh. Like what you are telling us, do these things help us in life or does the mind manipulate them? We can never understand you, can we? You look in the mind and the thoughts. What else is happening? Where do those thoughts come from? You're looking to the answer of the thoughts, but where do those thoughts arise from? You know, the trick to the way I'm speaking is just let it remind you of the love. Don't listen to it too seriously. Laka, laka, laka. On she goes. The freedom is the love. Freedom is what's happening. And this body is just a reminder of that. And it could say all types of things. Okay, guys. Love you. Bye.